0: Man shall not see me and live. Man shall not see me and live. Those are the words that the Lord spoke to Moses when Moses said, show me your glory. God, in his grace, allowed Moses to catch a glimpse of it. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Those seven words are a great summary of what our ultimate problem is, according to God's word. Really, if you if you ask what what is it that is ultimately the human problem? Fundamental to it all, what what's our problem? What what is our situation? Our situation is that man shall not see God and live. You cannot see God and live to see it, to see him. I cannot see God and live to tell you about it. No one ever has been able to see God and live. Once they see him, their heart stops beating, their lungs stop pumping. To put it another way, if anyone sees God, that man will die. That's what God says in Exodus. If anyone sees God, he will die. No man can see me and live. This this is our problem. This is the problem of man. The reason this is the case is because God is holy and we are thoroughly sinful. we just saying about this. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Habakkuk tells us that the Lord is too pure to look on evil. too too pure to even see it, to be in the presence of it. And Scripture throughout testifies to the fact that once Adam and Eve fell, mankind is thoroughly sinful, thoroughly evil. No one does good, not even one. God is holy and we are sinful, and so we cannot see God and live. The, the, The moment that our sinful eyes catch a glimpse of the blazing holiness of God, we will die. And this is a problem. One, because one day every one of us will see Him. And man cannot see God and live. The Bible teaches that there is a day coming, that history is moving forward till a day of judgment. A judgment day is coming, and on that day, all people from all time will come into the presence of God and see Him and give an account for their sinfulness, and what will everyone say on that day? They will say, woe is me, for I am lost, for my eyes have seen the King, the Holy One. That's what everyone's going to say. Romans 3 tells us that no one is going to try to give an excuse Everyone's mouth is going to be stopped. No one's going to say, but God. No one's going to say that. They're they're going to say, woe is me. Because my eyes, my sinful eyes, have seen the holy king of Israel. The one true God. And so the fact that we cannot see God and live is a problem because we are going to see God. Every one of us will see God and when we see him, we will die. sinful man cannot see holy God and live. And as negatively compelling as that reason might be to to say, well, what can we do? There's an even more compelling reason to say we, we we need a way out of this. Because not only do we face that judgment, not only will we die when we see him, but... But God made us to see him. This this is the thing. God's the one that says, no man shall see me and live. But God is also the one who made us in his image to behold his glory and rejoice. This This is why Moses said, show me your glory. Listen, Moses had seen a lot. Moses had seen God do amazing things in deliverance of Egypt. He would seen a theophany of God in a bush that did not burn. He had heard the voice of God. He had received the Ten Commandments. But after all that, he still had this fundamental longing in his heart. Show me your glory. I want to see you, God. This is why David would pray in Psalm 27, One thing have I asked that I will seek after. One thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One one thing that David wanted, he wanted to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord because he knew that's what my heart wants. That's what I was made for. God is our maker and he has hardwired our hearts, so to speak, that we find joy in Him. He made us that way. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Him because He designed us this way. There's there's no other way to fulfill this deepest, most fundamental desire in our hearts that we want to see God, we want to know God, we want to behold Him. But the problem is that man cannot see God and live. And so on the one hand, we face judgment. We face death. We face certain condemnation if we see him. But on the other hand, what we need most is to see him. What we want most is to see him. He is the only one who will fill our hearts with true joy. So we have a problem. It's our ultimate problem. How can we see God and live? We need a way to see God and live. To this, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. Open your Bible to John 14. We're in the upper room discourse of John, and what these chapters are, Is a section in the Gospel of John, unique to this Gospel, where, where we get to listen in on Christ's final hours with his disciples. Judas is en route to betray Jesus. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet in a stunning act of humility and love. The cross has been set in motion. Jesus knows it. The disciples don't. And Jesus, on these final hours, this final night with his disciples, is preparing his disciples for what's about to happen. His arrest, his sentencing, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his return. He's preparing his disciples for all of this in these final hours. He has said, where I'm going you cannot come. And this has ruffled the disciples' feathers a bit. Where, where are you going? You are our Messiah. You are our King. Why can't I come with you, Peter asked. Where are you going? And, and Jesus is speaking words of assurance and comfort to them. And so I'd like us to read, starting in verse 1, our text today is verses 5 through 11, but John 14, we'll read 1 through 11 so that we can remember exactly where we are in this section. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The title of today's message is, He is the Way, and the Truth, and the Life. And there are three points to this message. Point one, He is the Way. Point two, He is the Truth. Point three, He is the Life. So if you're having trouble remembering the main points of the sermon, just remember the title. All right. If you can't remember the title, just memorize John 14:6. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. We are just going to spend our time today unpacking these three words, these three declarations that Christ makes about Himself. so let's dive in first on He is the way. First truth that Jesus teaches that He is the way and if you think about it, that statement by itself uh, doesn't tell us much, right? I am the way. I'm the way to where? Right. The way. The way to where? That. That's the question. So let's let's understand what Jesus means when he says he is the way. What, where is he the way to? And remember, last week we we saw verse two that Jesus said he's going to his Father's house. He's going to his Father's house. Now, now, does anyone remember? Oh. What is his father's house? What, what is that referring to? It's referring to the new heavens and the new earth. It's, it's referring to the, the kingdom of God that's going to be ushered and that's going to come down um, like a bride adorned for her husband, the, 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 the final kingdom of God that God's people will be a part in. That's the, the father's house. And he said, I'm going, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, and then he promises, "And I'm going to come back and, and I'm going to bring you back there with me. And and so he he says I'm going to return and 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 get you we're going to go back to my father's house together. And then he says and and you know the way to where I'm going. Now right there we begin to feel like that that seems a little bit odd. He just said that he's going to come bring us back there, but now he says we know the way. So is he going to we need to know the way if he's going to bring us. You begin to see some confusion there. And then Thomas adds to the confusion because in verse 5, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, was Thomas just not listening? Was, was he, just, he said his father's house, right? Was he just ignoring that? Now, I think, I think what's happening is that the, the disciples are, they're just completely in a di- different world right now. Jesus is speaking of his death and his resurrection and his ascension, and they are still thinking, north, south, east, west, where is this place? We don't don't know where your Father's house is. How can we know how to get there if we don't know the way? How how can we know how how to get there if we don't know where it is? And and so, Jesus, what he's going to do in verse 6, is he's going to make it clear that that though, yes, heaven is in view, he's not ultimately talking about a place. Jesus is not ultimately talking about a place to go. He is talking about a person. He's, He's not... He's not talking about a destination, so to speak. He's talking about a relationship. The disciples are asking where, and Jesus is saying, no, where is not the right question. Who is the right question? And so all of this sets up his his amazing claim in verse 6. Let's read it again. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So so when Jesus says, I am the way, what he is saying is this. I am the only way for someone to come to the Father. That's what he's saying. I'm the only way for someone to come to the Father. There's no other way for sinful man to be reconciled with God the Father except through me. There is one way to my Father's house. There is one way to be reconciled to God. I am the way. I'm the way. Now, we're going to unpack this a little bit more as we look at the truth and the life. What what, what does that mean, that I am the way? How does that work? But right now, I want us to stop and think about the exclusiveness of this claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I read an article this week that said this is the most controversial statement Jesus ever made. It's an exclusive claim. Because think about this. In saying, I am the way, and then adding, no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus is saying that every other way in which sinful man attempts to come to God will fail. He's saying every other way is a dead end. He's saying every other way is wrong. Every other way leads not to God, but to hell. That's what he's saying. There's one way, only one way. Every other way is wrong. And, And many in our culture, many throughout time have have heard this and and said, this this seems arrogant, this seems unloving, this this is too exclusive. How can Jesus say that? And I want to assure you today that while Jesus' claim is exclusive, it's the furthest thing from arrogant and unloving. Exclusive, yes. Arrogant, no. Unloving, no. Okay, so who here has seen Mission Impossible? Any of them? There's like ten of them, right? Okay. Tom Cruise. Picture Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, in your mind right now. Okay. He's chasing the bad guys, and they're luring him into a building. He's he's trying trying to get him, and and then they somehow get him trapped, and he and he sees a bomb. All right. Thirty. 29, 28. Okay, he's like, oh man, what am, what am I gonna do with this? I, I, there's no time to get out of here. Now this bomb's gonna explode. I need to, I need to do something about this. And thankfully, there are three exposed wires on this bomb. There's a red wire and a yellow wire and a green wire. They, they, they designed it nicely for defusing the bomb. Okay, so he's got three wires: 25, 24, 23. He calls his guy and and he. He's saying, which wire do I cut? There's a red one, there's a green one, there's a yellow one. If I cut the red one, if I cut the yellow one, there will be no more Mission Impossible movies to make. But if I cut the right one, then, then we'll be good, right? And so the, he's asking this guy, it's ticking down 2020, 20, 19, 18, and he says, it's, it's the yellow one. Cut the yellow one. Now what if Tom Cruise said in that moment, man, that is so exclusive of you. How can you say that? I mean, I think it's the red one. Who are you to tell me that it's not the red one? It's the yellow one. Do not cut the red one. I really prefer the red one. In fact, this is unloving of you to say that it's the yellow one. right? That's not what he's going to say. He's going to cut the yellow one. Mission possible, right? Now, the point there is that it's not arrogant if it's true. And it's not unloving if it saves. Right? There's one way. There's only one way. And there's nothing arrogant about saying, this is the one way, and if you don't do that way, this is going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. There's nothing arrogant about that. There's nothing unloving about that. If there's one way, then there's one way. As much as you might not like it, as much as someone else might not like it, that's, that's the reality. If it's true... It's not arrogant. Now, here is what is arrogant. It's arrogant for anyone to think that God owes us a way. The minute someone says, How unloving is that, that he says he's the only way, the Bible's response, our response as Christians, should be there's a way. There is a way to God. Do you, do you realize what you're saying? You, you, you're saying that, that the God who created you, the God who you've rebelled against, the, the God who you have decided to push out of your life and you decide to replace with your own idols, you, you are a rebel. And Do you realize that He does not need to give you a way? That He could just let you be? Just let this be, and, and, and when you see him, you will be judged, and he will be righteously vindicated in that judgment. But no, God has provided a way. He has sent his Son to make a way. There's a way. That, that, that is the response of Christians to anyone who says, how unloving is that That he says he's the only way. It's, it's, do you even realize there's a way? God, by his grace, has made a way for us rebel creatures to be reconciled to Him. Rejoice, re- rejoice in that. Forsake all the other ways because God has made a true way. Praise Him for His grace. By the same measure, here is what's really unloving it's not unloving to tell people Jesus is the only way. What is unloving? is to know that Jesus is the only way and not tell them. That's what's unloving. We believe in an exclusive Savior. We believe there is one way to be reconciled to God. But He has given us an inclusive command. This one Savior has given us a command that includes all people to make disciples of all nations. So while we believe in an exclusive Savior, we need to preach that exclusive Savior to anyone and everyone, making no judgments about how they will respond, what they have done, what God might do. The gospel is for all people. The way is for all people. And in this way, Christianity, Jesus, Christians, are the most inclusive people in the world because we are saying to all people, all you need to do is come and believe. That's all you need to do. There's, there's, there is no other Qualification, there is nothing that excludes anyone from Christ. He's the exclusive Savior, and he excludes no one who will come to him in faith and believe. But it is unloving of us to know that and to not tell everybody we can. Let's tell everybody we can. If you're telling people the gospel, tell more people the gospel. If you're not telling the people the gospel, then know you are being unloving. You are being arrogant. And until you start sharing that Christ is the only way, then the world is right to say that. But if we know he's the only way, if if God has made a way, if we've been captured by his grace that he has brought us to Christ, then, then we will go, we will tell, we will pray, we will love, and Jesus will draw all people, all kinds of people, from all over the world to himself. Jesus is the way to God the Father. Now, before we can go on to the next two points, I I need us to observe something in this text. Um, And you are probably already seeing it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So we've got three statements here, but but all three of these are not just equally related. The, The emphasis in this text is on the first statement, I am the way. We know that because, one, Thomas just asked, how can we know the way? And he's answering his question, I'm the way. And then we also know it because he immediately follows up by saying, no one can come to the Father except through me. So, so again, he's talking about the way to the Father. So I am the way is, is the main point of what he's saying here. What that means is that I am the truth and I am the life. What are Why are those there? Why is he saying that? These are supporting statements. They're explanatory statements. What, what we need to understand is that He's saying, I am the way because I am the truth and I am the life. The fact that I am the truth and the life is what makes me the way. I'm the way to God, and now I'm going to show you how that is true, because I'm the truth and I'm the life. Does that that make sense? So as as we look at I am the truth and as we look at I'm the life, we understand him being the truth and the life is what makes him the way. If he's not the truth, he's not the way. If he's not the life, He is not the way. But if he is the truth and the life, then his claim is true. That he is the only way to God the Father. And so let's look at this next statement then. I am the truth. Now remember, we need to understand this in context. What does it mean that Jesus is the truth? Jesus is the truth and no one comes to the Father except through him. Let's read verses 7 through 11 because I think that these these verses, as Jesus expounds on this statement in 7 through 11, will help us understand what he means. Let's read this again. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. All of this is Jesus expounding his statement I am the truth. I am the truth. What he's saying is that he's not just someone who comes and speaks truth about the Father. He's not just another prophet who comes and shares truth about the Father. He's saying that he is the true revelation of the Father. He is the one who makes the Father fully known. He says, I embody the truth of who he is in myself. To say, I am the truth, to say, I am the true revelation of the Father. He says, to know him is to know the Father. To see him is to see the Father. And then he grounds it in this reality. I and the Father are one. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. This is one of the key passages where we really see what it means that God is Trinity, that God is triune, that he is three in one. Because what we see is that the Father and the Son are distinct, In person, he does not say, I am the Father. He does not say, the Father is me. He says, I and the Father are one. So, So the Son is not the Father, the Father is not the Son. They are distinct in person, but they are one in essence. They are one in every way. Jesus is one with God. And what that means is that Jesus is God. You cannot be one with God without being God. He and the Father are one. Those who heard his words, what do they say? No one has ever spoken with authority like this. There was was a compelling authority to his words that we have access to today when we read his words in Scripture. When we read the words of Christ, we know this, this is the voice of God. These are the words of God. And there was a divine power To his works that he performed. You know, when Jesus turned water into wine, do you notice that it doesn't tell us how he did it? It it doesn't say that that Jesus waved his hand or or that he uh, got a little secret sauce and did something to the water, right? No, it doesn't, doesn't. Like, we want explanations for things. And the reason is because we know that ultimately we don't have any. Power to do anything as human beings. We can only only borrow power. We can only take things and and make things happen. But Jesus just turned the water into wine out of nothing, with nothing. Just like God creates out of nothing. He did the same thing with the fish and the loaves, right? We don't know what he did. and, And the reality is that there is no explanation. He did it because he's God. And He did. His works testified to His divine power. There were no tricks. There was no explanation besides the fact that He did it. He's God. He spoke it, and it was. That's what He did when He healed the ruler's son from from miles away. He just said it, and it happened. Every act Jesus did was just an act of speaking and the Father doing His work. Just like the Father did His work of creation through speaking the word of his Son. Jesus, his life, his words, his works, it demonstrated the reality that he is one with God. He is God. He is God the Son. He is the true revelation of the Father. To see Jesus is to see God. But listen, this, this brings us back to where we started. No man shall see me and live. If Jesus is the true revelation of the Father, then this statement is as true for Jesus as as it is for, for God, the Father. If no man shall see God and live, and if Jesus is God, then no man shall see Jesus and live. We can't see God and live because we are sinful. And so Jesus has to be more than just the truth. To be the way. If he's only the truth, then we're still condemned. Because we will see him and we will die in our sin. But he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the life. Jesus is the life. When Jesus makes this statement, remember, Judas is in route to betray him. He is hours away from being strung up on a cross. He is hours away from being buried in a tomb. And he knows it, and yet he says, I am the life. I am the life. How can he say that? Well, he knows and he has predicted that after three days of lying dead in a tomb, he is going to rise again. He is going to resurrect. He is going to defeat death. He's going to take on a glorified body that will never die. Jesus knows that death will not beat him and that he will have resurrection, glorified life. Forever and ever. So he is the life in that sense. He knows that death will not have a hold on him. Because he has never sinned. Because the stain of death is sin, but he has never sinned. So he knows he will rise again. But he also says this because he knows that by his death, he's going to remove the death sentence of guilty sinners. By his death, He is going to take on the very sinfulness that makes it the case that when we see God will die, He's going to die for us. He's going to die for us. So that when we see God, if we're trusting in Him, if we're trusting that He bore our sins, if we're trusting that He took that penalty, then we can see God and live. That's what all this means. It means that in Jesus, man can see God and live. That's what it means that Jesus is the way. We can see God because He is the truth. And we can live because He is the life. He is the way to the Father. Julie, really the main idea to, to, to put it more uh, formally, I guess, the, the big idea is that the only way for a sinner to have fellowship with God the Father is through faith in the person and work of Christ. The only way for a sinner To have fellowship with God the Father is through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. By the grace of God, Jesus is the way to God. By the grace of God, Jesus is the way to God. So I want to give four applications before we close. First, this morning... I want to call you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is here. I want to call you to believe that Jesus is God. Fully God. Not sub-God, not second God, but Jesus is God. He is God the Son. He is one with the Father Believe in who he is. Believe that when you think of Jesus, you you are thinking of the person of God. You are are thinking of your creator. You are thinking of the one who holds all things together. You are thinking of the one for whom all things exist. Jesus is completely, fully God. We need to believe that. I want to call you to, 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 to not skip over the person of Christ to the work of Christ because the work of Christ is grounded in who he is. Yes, he is fully man, born into this life, but born of a virgin because he is fully God. Believe that Jesus, the man Jesus, is God the Son in flesh. Believe that today. Rejoice in that today that God came into flesh. That God became one of us. That he might make a way for us. That he might be the way for us. Believe. And if you believe, then the second thing you need to do is to forsake all other ways. Forsake all other ways to God. What other ways to God do we tend to Um, There there are some obvious ones in in the world. There are are simply other religions, right? There's Islam and there's Judaism, which, by the way, this is the definitive break with Judaism because Jesus, though a Jew, is now saying, true Jews come to the Father through me. And now Judaism, which which rejects Christ, is no longer the way? These other religions, they're, they're ways to God. And, and so, church, we, we need to call people to forsake those ways. No, there, there's, there's, there's nothing in those ways that will lead to God. They are empty, dead ends. They are deadly ways. They will not lead you to where you think you're going, no matter how devoted you are, no matter how much you believe it, forsake those ways. But, but what about us? What, what ways... Do we tend to come to God? Even if not on an intellectual level and on a heart level, which ways do we tend to come to God when we come into the presence of God in our lives? Are we coming through Him? Are we coming through Him, or are we coming with confidence in ourselves? Are we coming believing that we have something to offer? Or are we not coming because of something we've done? Either way, whether you are coming with confidence in yourself or you're choosing not to come because you are so aware of your sin, both of those reject Jesus as the way. And so forsake self-confidence, forsake self-condemnation, come to the Father through Christ knowing that He has a righteous record that is yours. He paid a death which is yours. He died for your sins. His righteousness is yours, so so come through Him to the Father. Forsake all other ways to God. Forsake self-righteousness. Forsake self-condemnation. Come to the Father through Christ alone. And call others to do the same. Forsake those ways. And then trust. Trust in the life-giving work of the cross. Really, that's what it means to come to the Father through Him. To come through Him is to come through the cross. It's to come trusting in the cross. It's to come to the Father, to His presence, ultimately coming to Him at the end of life on that judgment day and saying, I have nothing that I bring except that I'm clinging to Christ right now. I'm clinging to his righteous life. I'm clinging to his sacrificial death for my sins. I'm clinging to his resurrection. And I'm coming to you as my Father through him. But but ultimately what I want to call you to do today is to come to the Father. Come to the Father. How how would you right now just think to yourself, how would you say your fellowship with God the Father is? Are you walking with Him? Are you close with Him? Are you you enjoying Him? Are you experiencing fellowship with Him? John, who wrote this Gospel, says in 1 John that our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. We have communion with God and with Christ through what Christ has done. I want to call you to enjoy that communion. Do you realize that God the Father is calling you to come to Him today? God the Father is saying, come to me and look at me and take joy in me. And that is something that we should be driven to every day of our lives. I want to be with my Father. You parents know there's nothing you want more than just to be with your kids. And there's nothing that you love more than to see that your kids want to be with you and they they just want to spend time with you. That The delight there. God is a father and he's calling us to be his children and to come to him and to delight in him as he delights in us. Ultimately, this is about a relationship. Again, it's about a person coming to God the Father. Listen, Philip said to Jesus, Show us the Father, and it's enough for us. You guys hear what Philip's saying there? He's saying, Jesus, we know that what we really need is just to see God. Philip is just echoing Moses. Show me your glory. Philip is echoing David. One thing have I asked that I will seek after, to, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. He's saying, show us the Father. And that's enough for us. We don't need anything else. We don't want anything else. All we want is to see his glory. That's our heart's desire, Jesus. Show us the Father. But what Philip needed to understand was that in seeing Jesus, he was seeing the Father. What he needed to understand was that in seeing Jesus, he was seeing the very essence of the glory of God. You know, God let Moses see his back or see just the very end of walking by whatever whatever he saw it was just the faintest glimpse of his glory but in Jesus the glory of God shines in the face of Christ In the face of Christ, now we get to see God fully. And Philip Philip is saying, show us the Father, when Jesus is right in front of him, saying, you can see God more clearly now than you ever have, because you have me, and I am his Son. And you know what? Philip was hours away from seeing the full display of that glory. Jesus said in verse 7, from now on, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And when he says from now on, what he means is now that my hour is at hand, now that I am going to the cross, now you will see him. Now you will know him. Because when Jesus is on the cross, we see the glory of the person of the Father in the cross of Christ. It's through the cross that Jesus not only becomes the way for us, it's through the cross that Jesus reveals the truth of who God is to us. It's through the cross that Jesus is the life. All three of them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, they happen in the cross. Through the cross, he is the way, the truth, and the life. We see the glory of God in the face of Christ as he dies on a cross for you and me. Then we see what Moses saw. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving transgression, who by no means will clear the guilty. We see it all. In the cross of Christ. We see it all in the face of Christ. And so this morning, as we close, at the music team can come up and, and as we close, I want to ask you Is seeing Jesus enough for you? Is seeing Jesus enough for you? Have you come to behold the glory of God in the person of Christ in such a way? That no matter what else you may need, whatever desires you may have, whatever you are going through, you can say this morning, he's enough for me. I get to see him and that's ultimately enough. We don't need anything else. We don't want anything else. Jesus is enough. As we respond in Psalm this morning, I want to call you to behold the glory of the Father by beholding the glory of the Son. I want to call you to come to the Father by coming to the cross to rejoice in the all-satisfying glory of God who has made a way for us to know Him. We can see Him and live. Let's rejoice in that together.